before we jump into all this goodness, I thought it'd be really good to put my glasses on. There we go. <laughs> Better. Uh, before we jump in this morning, um, I wanted to share and kind of, um, what's a good way to put it? Just kind of cover some, some basics. So some of you may be familiar with what I'm about to talk about, but I want to just cover a few basics that are going to help with where we're going the rest of the service. And so the first one being expectations. What do you expect when you show up? I remember uh, a while back, I would just gotten out of youth group and I was kind of coming up as a young adult um, here at our church. And I remember having a conversation with Sandy and I, some, something along these lines. Um, you know what? I don't feel like I'm getting a lot out of church, our church specifically. I don't feel like, brace yourself for a very immature sentence. I don't feel like I'm getting fed. Okay? And I remember having this conversation, and just genuinely, me just being like, I just don't, you know. And, um, and so she'd asked me a couple of questions that I will never forget. She had said, well, do you prepare Saturday night? Are you coming expecting on Sunday morning? And I remember thinking about that and going, expecting, like, what do you, what do you mean by that? So she, so she said, well, do you show up and just plop down? and expect to get something? Or do you show up prepared because if God's going to give you a word or he's going to give you inside a revelation, are you actually prepared to take that, write it down, and steward it in your life? I thought about that, and I, it never occurred to me. I said, no. I haven't. <laughs> so she said, so you're just showing up and plopping down, you're not coming ready, and you're not even prepared to steward anything? Honey, that's not on you. That's not on, oh, sorry. She goes, honey, that's not on God. That's not on the church. That's on you. <laughs> oh, man. It was so good to hear that. It changed my life. Sandy, that changed, that changed my life in a big way. Because from that moment, oh, come on. Ah. Because from that moment on, I came prepared. I came expecting. Okay. So, fast forward a couple years. I um, had started going to a college group in the area. And it was right around the time that I met my, my now wife. And I was coming and getting a little bit more plugged in here at this church and getting plugged in with what God had for us here. But I'd been attending this college group for a while, and there was a young guy that I met there. I was on my way out. He had just started coming. And he'd come a few times, so I had some brief interactions with him. And so he said to me one night, he said, Jake, he's like, I'm not sure if I'm going to keep coming to college group. I was like, why is that, man? He said, well... I just don't feel like I'm getting a lot out of this church, and I really don't feel like I'm getting a lot out of this group. And I remembered some wisdom that was passed on to me that changed my life. And so I said, well, when you come, you come expecting? And I went through this conversation with him, and I asked him. And he said, no. He said, I never thought of that. I'm really happy I chatted with you tonight. I'm going to try that. Okay? So we have this conversation. Time passes on. I end up leaving the college group and coming here and getting plugged in here with our young adults group. Um, that's right around the time my wife and I started getting into ministry here. Um, so anyways, quite a decent amount of time goes by, and I'm over at a buddy's house, and this guy shows up, the friend I met at that college group, and um, a lot of time had went by, and he was a mutual friend of ours, so I said, hey, like, where are you at these days? What are you up to? And he started with a huge smile on his face to share with me he says, you know that group we were a part of? I said, yeah, I remember. It was so good. He's like, yeah, I stayed. 
the leadership of that over time, they ended up moving on. God called them elsewhere, so it was a couple, and they moved to another city, another state, and I took over the ministry. And he had been leading it, and he was just grinning ear to ear. He stayed. He figured out how to come expected, and it changed his life. And it, was, it blessed me that he was so excited, but it also blessed me that he grew in the Lord. Okay, so when we come to church, we should come expecting. Do you come expecting in the morning? Are you prepared to actually take down what God gives you and then steward it in your life? Hearing it does you no good. Good stewards get more to steward. Laziness loses what little it has. When it comes to things of God, good stewards get more to steward. I've done both, and can I tell you, learning how to be a good steward is far better than, uh, than laziness. Okay, that was the first one. This is the second one. Again, just kind of covering some basics of things we should have in our tool belt. When we get principles from the word of God, so when we get revelation or insight or God speaks to us and there's that one thing in a sermon or a service that sticks with us, those principles, the things that Jesus taught, the things his life modeled, are so very important for us to get a hold of. But that's part of it. There's another side to it. It's equally as important for us to recognize and pay attention to the relationship Jesus modeled with his father. Because it's when we take the principles and apply them in a pre-existing healthy relationship that you see that dynamic transformation that changes a person's life. That's how it works. So this morning, we're going to be talking about a lot of those tools for that existing, ongoing, that healthy relationship. If you didn't have one before you walked in, you're going to get one. And if you have one and you want to grow in it, you're going to grow in it too. Okay? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this morning. God, I ask that we would each, God, every footprint in the room is going to get a revelation from you today. God, that every person is going to get something to go home with and choose whether or not they apply it. God, that you are going to speak, speak, that's not a word, you're going to speak and your love is going to come and fill this place and everybody that needed a touch of it, God is going to get it. So Lord, I pray over this word. Lord, bless it and be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so I'm going to be reading from Matthew 6 primarily. I'm probably going to be jumping around, but for your information, Matthew 6, and I'm going to end up going 1 through 21, but we're going to take it in stride. We're going to do it in a few chunks. So while you're turning there, I want to make sure I have my bearings correct, which I do. So here we go. Matthew 6, and we're going to start off in 1 through 4. Okay. And this is Jesus speaking. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore... When you do a charitable deed, do, um, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have the glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be seen in secret. And your father, who sees in secret, will himself reward you openly. Let's keep going. Verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. 
And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you need even before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. I'm going to keep going through all of this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It goes on. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive... Men their trespasses, neither will your um, father forgive your trespasses. Home stretch. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place. Sorry, let me reread that. But to you, uh, but to you, to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Okay, lots of goodies going on here. We can't get them all, but we're going to go for one. There's an underlying principle that's being taught here, and that's what I want to look at. And that's this. Source matters greatly. We see in works, so deeds, you see in works, we see in prayer, and we see in fasting. Let me know. These are all religious observances, so there's good here. But because the source is corrupt, right? We see people doing these practices, but their heart isn't in the right place. Their source is corrupt, so they're doing it for the praise. They're sounding the trumpets, being loud, lots of words. It's they're wanting people to see, look how righteous I am. Look how good I am. But that's not right. And the scripture says they get their reward, which is empty and temporal praises that fade. Notice that Jesus is very clear about they get, what they, they get what they asked for. They get what they wanted because their source wasn't clear. I'm sorry, because their source was corrupt. I want you to read to, let's look at, yeah, let's keep going. So let's look at what portion. So, yeah. Okay, notice here. And what we just read, do you remember the portion where it said, just go into your room and shut the door? Because we're talking about the secret place. It says, go into your room and shut the door. That's describing a very physical location, uh, someplace you can go, geographical, right? But then it goes on to read, in the secret place. This isn't referring to a, uh, a physical location. This is referring to an inward location. It's talking about your heart, the seat of your desires, where all of your passions and desires lie. It's referring to it as a secret place because only you and God can see it. Source matters. This is where source lives. It's in that place. Your desires, your heart. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, it reads, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or his height or his stature, because I have rejected him, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So this is really important. So from that place, it flavors my behavior. 
So the things I do to please God, the way we actually love God back in our works, in our words, it actually happens when our heart's in the right place to genuinely please the Lord and not, re- not receive um, the glory for ourselves. Because we see that the example of the hypocrite that he's giving us in his story is someone who wants the glory for themselves. We actually love God back when it starts from a genuine place of just doing it to worship him. And we know that God can see that because God sees our heart where all the desires are. You can't fool him. You can't hide it from him. He sees it. And he wants it healthy. Okay. When we're doing that, and it's coming from a healthy place, remember, on the flip side of it, temporal, empty praise, things that fades, that's what comes when the heart's corrupt. So what actually happens when the heart is pure and we're doing it out of love for the Lord? In verse 4, chapter 6, verse 4, it says this, And your father, who is in secret, will himself reward you openly. Okay. This could mean physical rewards. But for this morning, I'd like it if we could go a little bit deeper than the surface. When I think of a, of a reward with eternal qualities, now remember, the opposite side is being contrasted with temporal, fading, empty, right? And it's within the context of spirituality, just spiritual meaning inward, the secret place, your heart's desires, the seat of your desires. That's where this is happening. So that's the context. So when I think of the flip side, I think of something that has like eternal qualities. I think of God, the greatest reward our relationship with him, him working and moving and operating in my life, changing who I am. This passage is speaking to that, that he is actually the reward. It's more of him that we get back into our lives. He is the greatest reward. When we get more of him, that's an amazing thing. We can expect for God to reveal himself to who we are and the relationship with him, our relationship with him, it deepens. In 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18, it says this. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord. And this is the important part and are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Scripture teaches that we grow from glory to glory. What does that mean? It means God reveals his glory to us. He reveals more of who he is to us. We take that, we steward it, it transforms my life. Now I bear the image of what's transforming me and my life begins to point to Christ because it's his glory that's seen on me. A good example of this is Moses. You read Moses' life and story and it's amazing the personal transformation you see happen in his identity of how he sees himself and what he does. And you'll notice that Moses 
spent time in the presence of God and God revealed his, his glory to Moses and it changed who Moses became. Moses then goes back to the people and it says he glowed. There was an outward display of the glory of God on his life. It is the same for you and I when we move in this way. That's available to us as well. All right. Pace yourself, Jake. Okay, uh, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Okay, I want to clarify for a split second. When you receive salvation, you receive Jesus in full. You receive his fullness. You did nothing to earn it. You did nothing to deserve it. That's not how you got it. It's a gift. You didn't deserve it. It's salvation. You get all of who Jesus is. In a marriage covenant, when a husband and wife come together, they get all of who the other is. But how many of you know that it's a lifetime from then on of growing deeper in your love for that person, your understanding of that person, and your affection for that person? The relationship deepens. It's the same with the Lord. The relationship can deepen. Okay. Come full circle. This is why source matters, why having a pure heart matters. Because it affects what gets fed back into your life. Remember, if you're doing for self what self wants, and you're trying to follow acts or principles, but your heart is you're doing for self what self wants, you get back empty and temporal. But when you're letting God transform you, and your heart is pure, you're just doing it to please God, you're loving him back, then more of who he is gets fed back into your life, and it transforms who you become. Source really matters. And having a clear understanding of that is super important. And we don't want it to be just a one-time thing. It's supposed to stay that way. There's supposed to be a continuing in. And I want to speak to that for a second too. The Bible refers to this as renewing your mind, as having a renewed mind. And I want to talk a little bit about, and I kind of want to talk a little bit about what that looks like. So let's finish by reading out Matthew 6. And yeah, let's finish reading out 19 through 21. And I'm going to go ahead and start. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When I treasure things of God, my heart is safe because it's with Him. When I treasure things of God, my heart is safe because it's with Him. For what purpose? For Him to shape. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. That's where it's meant to be. That's where it's meant to stay. So when life's doing this, you ain't. Because your security is here. If you're a buoy out in the middle of the ocean all by yourself, life's doing this with you. That doesn't look like much fun. <laughs> We're supposed to be built on a firm foundation, a solid grounding. And we're supposed to stay there. Um, okay, so herein lies the challenge. Herein lies our opportunity to grow. Life will consistently give you reasons why you should pull your treasures, why you should pull your values down from heaven, and why you should place your heart in other things. Life will continually give you reasons to do that. In Hebrews 10.23, it teaches don't lose hope. 
How many of you know that that wouldn't be there unless you and I were going to have to use it? Right? If we read in Philippians 4, 12 through 13, Paul teaches a similar thing. Listen to this. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation. Whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. We want our heart to stay in the right place and we want to keep it there. You're listening to someone speak who's found out how to do that, who has said, this is the best way. Whether life is great, whether it stinks, my hope is in God so I can be okay in all of it. Look at his life. He had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. But his treasure and his heart were secure because they were where moth and rust couldn't touch. That's for us. That's for this room. That's for our church. That is where our heart's supposed to be, and it's supposed to stay there. Okay. So like I just said, renewing our minds. Our thoughts fill our heart. Our mind, we're supposed to be renewing daily. Okay, so here's a few verses that are going to speak to that. Because we want to keep our heart in the right place. We want to keep it pure. We've actually got to make sure our mind, the thing that fills our heart, is doing the same way. And here are some principles and some tools on how we do that. Okay, so let's go. So it's Romans 12, 2, and it reads, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's keep going. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and set your mind on things above and do not let the things of earth, do not put it on those things for you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ. Okay, let's keep going. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We destroy arguments of every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Jealousy starts out as a thought. Bitterness starts out as a thought. Lust starts out as a thought. Hatred starts out as a thought. It all starts in your mind. If your mind is the wild, wild west, and anything can come and go as it pleases, you a buoy. You're going to do this with life. Again, that's not fun. I don't want to do that. You have been given power and authority to implement this so that not everything, not everyone, not everything can speak into your life. There are streams that flow into your life. What you see, what you hear, and what you say. Why what you say? Because everything you say, you hear. Goes back in. Don't do that. That's a bad idea. We want a life that's firm and stable on the Lord. Okay? Let's keep going. I got one more. Romans 8, 5 through 6. For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. 
but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Ever wonder why peace is in there, like right up there? It's because it's dealing with your mind. And that's the place anxiety wars for constantly. Spiritual warfare isn't, because that's what I'm talking about here. Using the power and the authority you were given to handle inward things, desires, things like that, that's spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare isn't as much as keeping the enemy at bay as it is getting past the obstruction and just moving forward with what God has for you. That's what it is. That's what we do. And that's what happens when we take those thoughts captive and we use the power and authority we were given. When I'm applying the above things, the things I've just talked about, when I'm applying those things to my life, I'm keeping my mind renewed. This is why the Bible teaches abiding is so important. Because when I spend time reading the word with God, and I say with him because the spirit of God is what gives us revelation and that's how we grow. When I'm reading the word with God, when I'm spending time in his presence just talking to him, when I'm in worship, those moments of abiding, it's actually causing my internal compass, right, that secret place, my mind, my thoughts, it's getting them to line up to the function in which they were created so that I set my thoughts on right things. So I put my mind on good things. I'm not letting all this other junk consume my thought life. I'm in God's presence, and Scripture teaches that when you're in the presence of God, it's like you're being placed on a high rock. You're being placed in a high place so the fears and worries of life don't touch you. This is why abiding is so important because it's, a, it's one of those healthy principles, those healthy things we do in our personal relationship with the Lord. Having that going is so important. If you ever read David's Psalms, he talks about the presence of God like he lives there. When he's talking about courts, temples, hallways, waiting, he's not talking about a physical building. He's best describing what it looks like in the secret place when he's with God. How there's no better place to be than there. The same is true for us. That should be the same for us. Abiding, it's a regular practice because it's needed regularly to keep your mind and thoughts and heart focused on where they should be. Okay. And there's a difference there if you didn't catch it. David lived that way because he depended on it. He, his life was structured around his dependency on God. He's a busy dude, busier than a lot of us. He's a king, had a kingdom, had a lot of problems. A lot of problems. He's human, he had a lot of problems. But he, had, he built his life around a dependency. Do we do that? Question, at home, when you're throwing away trash, like say you get fast food on the way home, because that sounds great and it's Sunday, and you're just like, in and out, gotta get it. Um, if you were to eat food and then just leave your trash where you used it, like think about this for a second, let's just explore this. Imagine what your bathroom would look like, your kitchen would look like, your house would look like if every time you generated trash, you just left it there. Think about that for a second. It's, it, if you got kids and you got diapers, it's messy and smelly, and think about that. But we don't do that, do we? If you treated your thought life, if we treated our thought life with that same simple principle of throwing out the trash, I can tell you right now, who you are as a person will improve tenfold because it's not the wild west up in your mind. It's not doing this. You're actually learning what it means to be healthy and whole. And your values change because your heart's changing. And that's so important. Okay. 
I've talked about a lot and I've covered a lot and just what I'm, and what I'm sharing this morning. And I want to say this. A lot of what I've just discussed, some won't have an appetite for that until you lose your appetite for something else. That's how that works. Um, there's a quote by Thomas Watson that I really love. And it says this. Until sin be sweet, oh, sorry, until sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. You won't have an appetite for this until you lose an appetite for something else. Because here's what happens. Over time, you make small deposits into something that eventually becomes the source of your joy, the source of your identity. It becomes such a structure in your life, but it isn't God. Scripture teaches us that that place, there's only one person supposed to sit on that throne in our life, and that's God. And we see why. Because it brings the health back into our life. But sometimes over time, we can make small deposits into something and eventually get to a place where we've exalted it to the spot God's supposed to be in, and that's not okay. Your life won't function. You'll prop it up, but when it gets shaky, it won't function. Immaturity storms the castle at that point and goes, God, where are you? I'm doing what you said. I'm trying this. That's immaturity. We don't want that. It's as simple as this, and this is a good habit to get into in general. This is something I do still because it's so important, and that's this. Honestly, sitting down with the Lord who sees everything. God, did I swap you out for something else in my life? Are you where you should be? Or have I, like Indiana Jones, swapped you out with something else, and now that's there? And if that is, and you have, it's simple. Repent. God, I'm so sorry for doing that. Will you please forgive me? Simple. And here's what happens. You just open a door to restoration, and you invite God back into your life. Lord, will you fill my heart again? Will you, you take that place? That's where you're supposed to be. And then it's as simple as this. God, will you give me the right things to crave again? Will you restore a pure heart to crave the right things? A renewed mind allows me to see the difference, the true difference between sweet and and bitter. When I've messed up my taste buds, when I've, when I've missed it, when I've exalted something else, and I don't tell the difference anymore, a renewed mind is what allows us to see the difference between sweet and bitter. And then, this is beautiful, it empowers you to choose. And you're given a choice. Good stewards get more to steward. Laziness loses what little it does have. We want to be good stewards. And that's where we're going. And that's where pastor's taking us. So you're in good hands, but do something with what gets put into yours when you get something. That's super important. Okay? Okay. Yeah. Let's keep going. Okay. There's a lot of really good stories in the Bible, obviously. A lot of good stuff in here. And I want to read a favorite. But before I do, I want to kind of go a little roundabout way. You guys want to go roundabout way? Cool. Because that's where we're going. Um, okay, Jesus performed so many miracles. 
He filled more books in three years of ministry than anyone has ever written in their lifetime. His miracles begat miracles. He raises Lazarus from the dead, and there is a second attempt by the religious leaders to kill Lazarus. Stupid idea. (laughs) Can't keep that guy down. There's a second attempt, and Scripture says, because on account of people hearing the testimony of Lazarus, they believed in Christ. On account of hearing the testimony of Lazarus, they believed in Christ. God's, his miracles begat miracles. Jesus had so many miracles. All that to say this, not every one of them made the book. Not every miracle made the book. So the ones that did, we should pay really close attention to because you can never deplete the revelation and the insight that's in there. When I'm talking with our youth, that's something we're, we, we've learned and we're learning and we try to continually do is that when you get to a place of extreme familiarity in the scriptures, press in, go a little bit deeper. Don't, don't just go, I know that story. He walked on water. Skip. No. When we get to a place in scripture that's so familiar like that, it is budding with fresh revelation because you are ready to hear more. You got milk the first time, second time around, press in and get the meat. That's how it works. There's so much in here. That's why it's said to be alive and active, because it always applies and always speaks. Okay. Now, the story I wanted to read from Luke. Luke 8, 43. Did you write that right, Jake? Yeah. Luke 8, 43 through 48. And here we go. It says this. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and thought, she had, and, and though she had spent all of her living on physicians, did I get ahead of you guys? I didn't even give anybody time to get there. <laughs> Your page is turning on like, I left the station without the people. Okay, I'll start over from the beginning, starting in verse 43. And it says this, And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, referring to Jesus, and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd's been surrounding you and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, No, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down, before him and declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had immediately been healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. In a year of being prepared for action, that's where we're headed. In a year of being prepared for action, it's really important to get the right things in order. It's really important to treat your mind and your thoughts like God tells you to. It's really important to keep a heart that's pure. It's really important to chase after him. She got up and chased after Jesus. There's great value in the word for someone who gets up, goes after God, and doesn't stop until they get a hold of him. It's important that we learn how to press in and keep our heart where it's supposed to be and keep our thoughts in check. That's huge. And in a year being prepared, that's so important. I see that as that's our church right now. Not a crowd just following Jesus around. 
but our church as a whole pressing in for more of who God is because we want more of him in our life because we love him. And there's no better life than a life lived with God, hands down. There's no better life. Okay, I want to wrap with something. Can I have the worship team come up here? You guys want to come on up? I'm going to close with this little story. So while the worship team's coming up, do you guys remember when you were little and you learned how to ride a bike? I do. <laughs> so fresh. Uh, for me. Never mind. Never mind. I remember being little and learning how to ride a bike. There was a moment when you got on that bike. Now, you had people explain to you how to ride a bike. You watched people ride a bike. But you all know, just as I do, it's totally different once you get on yourself and you got to administer everything. you got to have your feet moving, looking straight ahead, handlebars. It's very different when you're the one riding the bike, okay? Do you remember there was a time when there was no training wheels on that bike? Someone had just pushed you or you just kind of pushed yourself off. No one was holding you up. And for a brief moment or for however long, your feet were on the pedals and you experienced what it felt like to balance on a bike by yourself. Do you remember that feeling? Something changes past that point. Now every time you get on the bike, you've got something to aim for. You've got something to shoot for. Every time you get on, you catch it a little quicker and you hold it a little longer until eventually you can ride a bike. And get this, it becomes an extension of who you are. It's the same when it comes to recognizing the presence of God and following it. It's the same when it comes to recognizing the voice of the Spirit and following it. It's the same when it comes to hearing revelation from His Word and obeying it. We catch it quick and we learn to steward it. And so every time when we come back, we're getting it a little quicker. We're growing. That's where our church is right now. We're headed after all God has for us, like Pastor has said. And right now, as a whole, as a body, because we're all in different places, but as a whole, we're learning how to do that. Would everybody please stand? Uh, Pastor Ryan is going to come up and lead us into a time of ministry and end up closing our service down. And I'm just going to pray as Ryan comes on up. Lord, do what only you can do. That's what we want. So good. Thank you, Pastor Jake. And I know that there are some that, oh, can I go there? I'll go there. There's some that need to actually come forward and respond. And maybe as I said that, like, your heart starts to beat a little faster. That's probably talking to you then. Um, because even Pastor Jacob, Jake, Jacob, woke up this morning with a dream. I won't do all of it, but he saw. God gave him revelation. There was things I prayed during early morning prayer. I've never had those words come out of my mouth before. Where did that come from? Oh, it was confirmation for his dream. There were things that the Holy Spirit was moving in our time of prayer. And it was for a time of ministry for people that need to get their heart right. People that say, okay, I, I know what it is, what he just said. I know what it is to have a relationship with God, but I need to swap some things. I need to get my heart pure. I need to take control of my mind. I need to treasure the things of God more than the other things I'm treasuring right now. And so you heard all these things being preached, but it would be the most foolish thing we could ever do in the world is to hear something and not respond if the Holy Spirit is actually talking to us. That's actually where it says there's the unforgivable sin. It's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is telling you to do something and you say, no, I'm not going to listen to you. 
It's like, ah, that's how you get saved. Is the Holy Spirit says, you need Jesus, and you don't listen to him. Yeah, it's the unpardonable sin. Let's not be foolish and not respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying. As I said, I know there's at least one. I know there's more than one. But there's someone that you can be filled with living water today. You can be filled with life. Maybe you know Jesus already, but there's something about where you're not living an abundant life joy-filled, peace-filled life, that your life is doing this, and you're like, I need to get off of this. I need to have the peace of God rule and reign in my heart and in my mind. So as we sing this last song, I'm just going to encourage you. I don't care if it's one person. I don't care if it's the whole church. If you know you need to respond, then just come on up. So I'm going to praise into this song, and as I say amen, just get up out of your seat and come up front. Lord, I thank you for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you challenge us, you quicken us, that even where it's, it's a risk, God, to respond to you is always a risk. But I pray that you would encourage and build up faith right now in this very moment. That's what pleases you, God. We just want to please you. We just want to bless your heart. And your word makes it clear. It, without faith, it's impossible to please you. So God, I'm praying that all of us in this room, that we have a desire to please you, we would respond by faith. Faith without works is dead. So we would put feet to our faith today. And it would please you. And in pleasing you, you would fill us with your life. So God, we hear your word. And we want to be doers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you, come on forward.